Happy Monday, everybody, and welcome in to Bet to Win here in Blue Wire Studios at the Win Las Vegas. I'm your host, Joe Fan. Pat Light, former MLB pitcher and win bet Brandon Baster coming on the show here soon to talk all MLB headlines. We're going to talk about the brawl between the Mariners and the Angels, as well as the MVP race in the American League. But first, unfortunately, I have gotten L to hold. The Mariners' first five money line at the Athletics was a loser last Thursday. Unfortunately, they got no hit through the five innings. And I bet on them like a big dummy, like a BDI, a big dumb idiot. That's, that was me on Thursday, having the faith in the Mariners. I have a hard time getting first five in full game right. Um, I feel like anytime I lose a full game bet, it's like, oh, I should have had the first five. The Mariners end up winning this game in sort of hilarious fashion because they scored a couple of runs uh, in the ninth inning on walks and wild pitches. Didn't even get a hit in the inning. Uh, and they were no hit through seven. But thanks to the Athletics for being the Athletics, uh, the Mariners get... Uh, a charity win, but my bet was a loser as I had the first five money line. Um, in the NHL, we have a new Stanley Cup champion. Congrats to producer Cole Henderson. His Celtics lost. His Avalanche have won. They raised the cup after being unable to win in game four, or sorry, game five at home. The Lightning staved off elimination, winning 3-2 in Denver. The Avalanche got it done on uh, Sunday evening. Uh, they take game six and Tampa Bay. Two to one, the final. They win their first Stanley Cup since 2001. Nathan McKinnon, one goal, one assist, 13 goals, and 11 assists in the playoffs. He was tremendous. Uh, the Conn Smythe winner uh, was Avalanche defenseman Kale McCarr, uh, eight goals and 21 assists in the playoffs. Uh, youngest player to win the award since Bobby Orr in 1970. So big ups to the Avs. With that, I have a lot of baseball I want to talk again especially with that brawl between the Angels and the Mariners on Sunday. Perfect time to bring in Pat Light. Uh, he's had, He's been on before, pumped to bring him on again, former Major League pitcher with the Red Sox and the Twins. He's the host of the Sorry We're Closed podcast and a WinBet brand ambassador. Pat, thank you so much. Excited to have you back on the show. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Okay, so let's reset the stage for those who, who missed it. And I'll basically... Before I get to actually the brawl that happened between the Mariners and the Angels on Sunday and what led up to it and what the fallout has been and what might continue to be when it comes to suspensions, what are your thoughts in general as a former player on the unwritten rules of the game? You know, I, I, I was an old school guy when I played. Um, you know, if I thought someone got hit intentionally by one of your guys, I'm, I'm probably going after one of your guys. Uh, you protect your teammates. but. I've eased on that uh, since I've been done playing. I think it's turning into a, a different type of sport, and I think we got to turn into that a little bit, uh, as Major League Baseball has has done as far as the social media game has been concerned. Uh, but, you know, I, I think there are some parts, though, that still remain uh, intact, and I think they probably should be intact. And again, I think this is a great example of what we're about to talk about is Seattle and and. and Angels brawl. I think this is a really good example of something that not everyone talks about because this is not just pipping a home run and we're hitting you. This is something very different. Okay, so here is what happened on Saturday night. Mariners in a close game against the Angels in the in the bottom of the ninth inning. Eric Swanson throws a pitch up near high up high and tight near Mike Trout's head. They end up intentionally walking him with down two zero. I, I don't want to go too far down my bias of of thinking that's to me it's commonplace. But if you uh, how you can take that however you want. Uh, but they end up putting him on first to bring up the winning run. Um, basically saying, we don't want anything to do with Mike Trout. 
we'll, we'll take our chances with Otani. Uh, Mike Trout is the Mariners' daddy. Uh, he's hit more than 50 career home runs against the Mariners, so a lot of that made sense to me. But that is what happened on Saturday night. Um, Mike Trout postgame didn't say it was intentional, but didn't say it was unintentional. Essentially saying, if you can't pitch inside, don't throw inside, and certainly not high and in, in inside. Um, so everyone knew something was coming Sunday, really except for the umpires. That's another layer, layer we'll, we'll get to. Right before the game, interim Angels manager Phil Nevin swaps out his starter, Jose Suarez, for um, a minor league bullpen arm, Andrew Wants, who is the opener. Very clear the intention. I don't think any Angels fan will dispute that. Uh, they throw behind the head and back of Jose uh, uh, or Rodriguez, Julio Rodriguez, in the first inning. They miss. And then in the, the top of the second, with the Mariners dugout yelling at the umpires, like, hey, this is coming. The first pitch of the, of, of the inning uh, wants dots Jesse Winker. Winker looks at the umpires. Scott Service looking at the umpires. No ejection made right off out of the gate. And then all hell breaks loose with Jesse Winker running over to a chirping Angels dugout. Um, tons of ejections all over the place. There are a lot of layers to this, and I do want to dive into. I know this is, I'm a Mariners fan, and this means more to me than it does most baseball fans because this is between two irrelevant teams right now who are well below 500. But I do think in, as, as we talk about the unwritten rules of baseball, it is a relevant conversation to talk about the layers. But just off the top, what did you make of what transpired between the Mariners and Angels? You know, <clears throat> the Angels are clearly, you know, protecting their guy. You know, Mike Trout is obviously, it's crazy to think that he might not be the face of the Angels because he is so good, but you do have Shohei on the same team, which is a whole other element. Of it. But you're protecting Mike, and I get that. The, the way, if Mike doesn't say anything after the, the game, probably nothing happens. But the fact that Mike is saying something, he's probably saying more to his teammates than he is to the media. <clears throat> you knew something was coming. I, I, the umpires being uh, just not, not really thinking that something might come is is kind of uh, crazy to me. I know you can't issue warnings pregame just based off what Mike Strout's comments were, but you still have to have some awareness that this is going to happen. Um, so I get um, I get protecting your guy a little bit here. Uh, it is commonplace, and I'm of the old school of Pedro Martinez. And when he was teaching me how to pitch back when I was at Boston, he said he never threw in, he never tried to throw inside for a strike. He just wanted to make people uncomfortable. It was the only place in the game where you can miss and it'd be still a productive pitch. Um, and I think it's, it's, it is, it's a productive pitch when you go high and up, you know, high and in this guy's uncomfortable now, but um, I get why they are protecting him. I understand what they were doing, but once you've missed, you have an opportunity here. I think you still should just go, you know, go and go hit in little chin music. We're not trying to hit you, uh, but let's, let's know that we can do that too. Uh, but once, if you're trying to hit someone and you miss them twice, you, you don't have the ability to go back and try to hit another guy. You've had your opportunity. It's over. It's past now. You, you, the message has been sent. Let's move on. And I think if they just did that, I think a lot of, a lot of this game would have been a whole lot different. That's my take as well. Is my, my, my overarching opinion on this is I can understand the sentiment of whether intentional or not, you come near Mike Trout's head, we're going to defend him. Fine. He's the best player in the history of the game, in my opinion. That's okay with me. But you took your shot in the first inning at Julio and missed without a single repercussion. It should have been done there when Phil Nevin decided, no, it's not. I don't know how the exact unwritten rules 
go because they are unwritten. And I hear just a mere fan who don't who doesn't have a history of playing high-level baseball outside of high school. So I'm not going to say I'm the, the gatekeeper of the game, but it would it would make sense. And I agree with you, and I'm glad you said that, that you get one shot and you missed Julio. It's done now, right? Yes, it is. The thing is, really all you want to do there, and I, you know, we have talk a lot, a lot about you know not hurting guys. <clears throat> like How could you throw at someone because you're upset about something? Listen, this is baseball. This is what they sign up for. This is what guys get in the box for. I actually didn't particularly like Mike Trout's comments either because you're in there. You know, the guy's coming up and in. It is. That's part of baseball. That's why you're, that's, you signed up for this. This is why you're, you're as good as you are so you can handle this stuff. But um, you get one shot. I did, it in, I did it in minor league baseball. A guy uh, hit a home run off me, which I didn't particularly care for, but that is what it is. He also stayed in the, in the batter's box for about 43 seconds afterwards, uh, which I thought was a bit much. Um, I wouldn't do it nowadays, but I threw at the next guy uh, and I threw behind him. Uh, I think he's actually still a uh, Lewis Brinson. I think he might still be playing, but I threw behind him. Uh, the message was rece- message was sent and it was received by the uh, the team that that was not going to be allowed. Uh, and then I went and pitched the pitch to the guy. Uh, that was the end of that. All you want there is to send a message that, Hey, listen, if you want to come up and in, we have it in, in, in our bag too. And, you know, to go and now throw twice at the guy and then miss him twice and throw at the next guy and hit him. You've lost your right. You've lost your right to hitting someone. I'm sorry, but that's just, that's, you have one shot at it. If you don't get it, you don't get it. What are your thoughts on bringing in a starter, an opener, sorry, an opener in place of your starter who pitched in the game? Jose Ramirez or Jose Suarez pitched in the game. What are your thoughts on bringing in someone like Andrew Wants who essentially acts as a hockey goon in that scenario? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a bit much. I understand what you're doing because you don't want you want to send a message early in the game. You don't want to lose your starter because he's probably getting ejected. Uh, but I understand the thought process. But I mean, this guy's just going to wear it for the team. Uh, you know, most times you, you hit the guy a little bit later in the game, uh, so you don't lose your starter. Nowadays, uh, I mean, he made it very abundantly clear that this is what was going to happen. The moment everyone saw that switch, everyone knew. All right, well, this guy's coming in to throw at someone. Um, and I, I think it's, I think it's a little Bush league, um, to do that, but I mean, it's, it's his right to be able to make that move. I just, I don't necessarily agree with it. I think I'm also so angry at the just incompetence, the continued incompetence of the umpires in this game and league wide, this whole season has been a disaster. I've been on the show far too many times talking about how I'm ready for robo umps and how it's just shocking how poor they are at their jobs. And on top of that, the way they, you know, they make the games about themselves and the soft ejections and the the kind of showing players up in different scenarios drives me nuts. But the reason why we have human umpires is, though, is so they can deal with the human element of the game. And and no matter how much the unwritten rules of the game kind of ebb and flow each year and with each era of baseball, there's always going to be a layer of protecting your team. And that goes in any sport. So I, I get that. But then these umpires are here to manage that. And the fact that they were the only people in the building and watching that game who seemed to be surprised by what was happening is, is baffling and inexcusable, quite frankly. Because if you watch the replay of Jesse Winker getting dotted, his first reaction isn't charging the mound. He doesn't even look like he's upset with Wants. He knows Wants is just doing what he's told. He's just a, a minion at that point of Phil Nevin mm-hmm. doing what he's being told as a young pitcher. But the, the umpire kind of comes in front of him, points him to first base, there was no, like, a, the immediate reaction, especially after they threw it, Julio in the first is, boom, you're gone. I think it's done after that point because you look, the shot of Scott Service, 
He's like looking at the umpires confused, like making the, the ejected motion. How do you miss that as an umpire? I mean, it's, it's terrible. It's, it's just, again, I understand maybe not trying to, you know, not wanting to get rid of guys, but you can't, it's, it's inexcusable to miss that type of, uh, it's such an easy call to make. So to, to miss two guys, then hit someone, I mean, everyone and across America watching that game was like, I don't understand how this guy hasn't been ejected from the game yet. And then when he finally does hit him, it's still, again, you said he's just pointing him to first base. What are we doing here? He, thro- he threw at someone three times. How are you not ejected from this baseball game? I just don't, I just don't get it. It's baffling. Uh, a funny layer after this, I don't really necessarily have a take. I think it's just funny to put on the table. Jen Mueller, who does uh, post-game uh, for the Mariners, talked to Justin Upton. Uh, Justin Upton, former Angels player, who last week got hit by Michael Lorenzen in the head. Coincidentally enough, there was no retaliation mm-hmm. from the Mariners. Um, and Upton said he received a number of texts from the Angels that night, including Mike Trout, checking in on him that night, making sure that he was okay, but also assuring him that Lorenzen's pitch slipped and it was unintentional. Um, Lorenzen blames slippery baseballs. I, I believe that. I don't think it was intentional. I don't think they're they're throwing at a former teammate who just joined the Mariners roster. There was no history of bad blood. Like that just happens in baseball sometimes. But the thought that all of a sudden the Mariners are going to choose the bottom of the ninth against Mike Trout to get revenge for and, and justice for Justin Upton. But then after the game, Justin Upton he told Jen Mueller that um, when he sent those texts Saturday night to Mike Trout and Angels players. They would not believe, they could not believe in, in, in that Swanson's pitch was unintentional. So I just thought the, the irony of that is just so beautiful and just so dumb to me where, you know, hey, our guy, he wasn't thrown at you, but certainly your guy was. And that was, was sending a message. Never mind the rest of the inning. He had to basically forego his fastball because he couldn't find any part of the strike zone with his fastball. So is it dangerous when a guy has no control? 100%. Intentional? No, those are two different things. Um, also, final, uh, putting a bow on this. Did you see the story of the Mariners fan who ordered a pizza on like Grubhub and sent it to the Mariners locker room or Mariners clubhouse? The delivery guy ends up giving it to security. The pizza finds its way to Jesse Winker who reaches out to this person on Twitter. Did you see this story? I have not seen that. So... It's all, it's all over social media. The Mariners fan named Sophie on Twitter, at Sophie Ballgame, sends a screenshot. I just ordered a pizza for Jesse Winker from Mountain Mike's Pizza in Anaheim. You deserve it, big guy. And she shows a screenshot. And she goes, it's delivered. Um, hopefully, I get info of whether or not it actually made to him. He, he DMs her. Sophie, I got the pizza. Thank you. I appreciate it a lot. Sophie, being the rock star that she is, uh, to thank the driver who made this happen. I mean, if you're a driver, you this game is happening while this pizza is being delivered and he goes from security gate to security gate to find someone to hand this pizza off to. Um, she posts his Venmo account and he got tipped by 300 to 400 people. And he apparently has a newborn at home and was just like, he gave some quotes to The Athletic and he goes, I just got home. This is to The Athletic. Uh, and I still can't explain what happened to me the last five hours. Uh, said Singh, uh, who's a gentleman's last name, who has a nine-month-old son. Um, I'm still in my dreams right now. This is a life-changing delivery for me. I'm really thankful to Sophie. In the last five hours, she did so, so much for me. Thank you to each and every person who tipped me. I don't even know you, but you helped me a lot, a lot, a lot. I love when stuff like that comes out in sports. You saw something last week 
Uh, it was, I think it was also an Angels game where this guy catches a home run ball and he gives it to a kid. Then the kid catches a home run ball and he gives that ball back to the guy who gave him the baseball. There's beautiful moments in the game of baseball and sports in general. And I thought that was really cool. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, let's talk MVP race. Um, maybe not just the race in general, but again, a philosophy question here. I saw on, uh, it was, I think it was Saturday night as well, uh, a tweet that that lists out the top five candidates for AL MVP. And it was Aaron Judge, Jose Ramirez, Mike Trout, Rafael Devers, and Jordan Alvarez. Five guys who were having monster, monster seasons. But I thought it was surprising that Otani wasn't there um, because his numbers aren't, from a hitting standpoint, what those guys are. But he's also got a sub three ERA and takes the bump every five days. Um, and I guess this becomes a philosophy question of, do you believe that the MVP should predominantly be a hitting award given the presence of the Cy Young or should Otani's full body of work be considered equally when comparing him to the five names I mentioned who were in this tweet? Yeah, I think, I don't think it should be just a hitting award. I would hate if that's what it turned into, but I think it kind of has to be uh, because the starting pitchers just don't pitch enough to be considered um you know, the most valuable player on, you know, any given team or, or what have you. Um, I think that Shohei Otani, I think it's, it's shocking that he's not on that list. I don't, I, I don't have his numbers off the top of my head. Um, but it's, I thought when Shohei Otani came to the league and he was what we all thought he was, I thought the MVP race was over for the last next six years if he keeps producing because he doesn't have to, shouldn't have to produce the way the other hitters have to uh, because he's taking the bump every five days and he's going to sub three. Uh, it's it's outlandish that he's not in the top five. Uh, and I don't believe because of the presence of the Cy Young uh, Award that we should just not consider pitchers. That's just the best pitcher um, uh, in that, you know, in the American League and National League. But it's, you know, this is the most valuable player. It's not the most valuable hitter. And I don't believe that uh, Shohei should be off that list. I think he is unbelievably valuable to this Angels team. Uh, and I, I think he certainly should be considered for this. We sort of have this conversation with the NFL where it's become a quarterback award, but when we're talking most valuable, it's always going to be a quarterback unless there's just a year where there's no good quarterbacks and someone else has this record-breaking year. That's not going to happen very frequently, if ever, uh, anymore in this current era of, of football. I, I think it's... I, I'm okay with Aaron Judge being number one and Shohei not being at the top, but he needs to be in the conversation. I want to make sure we, we don't already take for granted what Shohei Otani is and that we're already numb to what he's doing. And I know he had the games back-to-back where he had eight RBIs and two home runs and 13 strikeouts the very next night, and that gets headlines. But this is a guy who's got a 2.9 ERA with an 11.9 K per nine rate, almost 12. And his batting numbers are, are not pedestrian. He's at a 2.59 average which is above what it was last year. The home run numbers are down, but he's still got 16 homers, 47 RBIs, and 45 runs scored, which are incredible numbers prior to the All-Star break. And so I just want to make sure that it's not like, well, yeah, it's Shohei. If, you know, if, if we take all of it into consideration, he's going to win every year. Well, that's okay. I think it's okay if he wins every single year because he's doing what we've never seen, may never see again and it, but I can't help but feel like we're already sort of taking him for granted. Yeah, I, I sincerely hope uh, that you're wrong. I hope that we're not taking him for granted because he is in 
a once in a generation player is what we're watching right now. For the fact that he's hitting 260 with a sub two as a pitcher every five, fifth day. I mean, I, it's hard for me to even even tell people in words how valuable that is to a major league baseball team. Um, if he's probably hitting more home runs, I'm sure he's more in the conversation because they're going to talk about his average. Uh, but it's, it is to have a 260 left-handed bat uh, that's going to go out there every fifth day and throw 100 and strike out 12 guys. It's, it's just so it's incomprehensible how valuable that is to a major league baseball team. And I, obviously the angels haven't been doing very good, which I'm sure plays into this as well. Uh, but it's just, it's unbelievably, unbelievably valuable. I said on last week's show after his historic back-to-back days of eight RBIs, then 13 strikeouts the next day that it, it, there are no words to describe him. I don't mean that as a cop-out because it sounds like a cop-out, but it truly, when you say unbelievable, it, it incomprehensible, it, it truly is because we have quite literally never seen it before in the modern uh, game of baseball. Let's talk about Aaron Judge. Um, as sick as I am of uh, Mike Trout because he just dominates the Mariners and he has been the best player in baseball for so long and he's been in the AL West, um, Aaron Judge doesn't have necessarily that longevity, but he is becoming uh, one of the best players in all of baseball. And he is the leader in the clubhouse for MVP in the American League so far this year. 28 bombs on pace for 63 this year, uh, which is just 62, sorry. But he's also had a handful of walk-offs and the clutch factor certainly there for him. No moment too big for Aaron Judge. And then you add in the layers of the contract disputes and where this thing might be headed from what his his payday is going to be from a financial standpoint. Uh, How special has he been this year? And maybe how painful is that for you as a Red Sox fan? (laughs) You know, Fortunately for myself, the Red Sox were so bad in April that we haven't really been thinking about the New York Yankees. Uh, they're so, I mean, the Red Sox have been one of the best teams in baseball for the last two months or so, and uh, we're still at 10 games back. So it, it's it's kind of crazy. But Aaron is, you know, I pitched against Aaron. I came up with Aaron uh, when I was, you know, the Red Sox minor league system. He was with the Yankees. Um, he's like he's such a nice guy. It's hard not to root for him. Um, and he is, he is as special as it gets. Uh, he's, you know, the judges chambers out in right field for the, in, in the Bronx and him hitting home runs and on pace to, you know, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, break Roger Maris's record, uh, and, you know, no steroids included. Uh, but he is such a special guy and he's such a likable guy. And then you add the fact that again, he's playing in the Bronx and the biggest market in baseball, probably. Uh, I mean, he's as big as it gets, and he's probably even. I remember talking about a couple years ago when he was having some good, some uh, some success at the big league level that he was kind of the face of baseball, even though Mike Trout was considerably better. But he was kind of the face of baseball because he was just exciting. He had the Judge, he had the the homers, and he's playing in the Bronx. Uh, so he's very special for this New York Yankee team. He's leading uh, not only the MVP race, but he's leading this team. Uh, when they hit some rough patches, you know, they had, you know, everything was like 19 consecutive innings without a hit this past weekend. And next thing you know, uh, they they fire away. DJ LeMay, who hits a two-run bomb to tie it, and, and Judge walks it off. Uh, this team, every time they're knocked down a little bit, they come right back in a very quick way. Uh, it's a scary team, especially as a Red Sox fan, to, to see this team in the way they're playing. MLB put out their power rankings. Yankees won, no surprise. Astros, two, no surprise. Mets, three. Dodgers, four. Padres, five. Finishing out the top 10 at Braves, Blue Jays, Red Sox, Giants, and the Guardians at 10. Who would have ever thought that going into the season? That Cleveland would be in the top 10 as we approach July. Um, I'm curious about the Blue Jays. I, I feel confident that most of those top 10 teams are borderline contenders 
but the Blue Jays have been really frustrating, I think, for any Blue Jays fan because the pitching has been so bad. And you have a guy like Jose Barrios was a 5.86 ERA, borderline unpitchable, to where you're having to consider what is your contingency plan if this continues. Um, as a former pitcher, what what how how does that happen? How does a guy go from one of the best arms in baseball to a liability in rotation seemingly so quickly um, when there doesn't seem to be necessarily an injury there or an injury history? You know, it's it, there's there's it could be a multitude of things. Thing is, is in Major League Baseball, everyone's constantly adjusting. Uh, Jose has fantastic stuff. He was my teammate out in Minnesota, and I remember when we were out there back in 2016. Everyone was talking about if he could just figure it out, and we didn't know what it was either. If he just figured out, he would be one of the best arms in baseball, which we've seen him be. Uh, and now it's seemingly again to have this many innings under his belt and to be you know borderline six ERA. You're right; it's it's borderline uh, you know unpitchable. Uh, but there's a few things that could that could pop up. You're talking about you know the stuff not quite being what it was. We're talking about Chris Sale in Boston, where he didn't have his changeup last year. It was pretty much just a, a slower fastball, uh, which is is terrible. Uh, you need sometimes you need that you know, and I haven't seen Jose pitch enough to know exactly what it is. But if I had to take a guess right now, there's something in there that he relied upon. Uh, in the past, that just isn't quite doing what it was, and it could be that the team, the hitters, are just picking it up better. Uh, it could be that these guys have found something uh, on Jose where they're able to kind of see pitches and lay off them, or it could just be that his pitch quite isn't as good as it once was. Um, there's like there's a bunch of things that could happen, and then on top of it, if you're not getting ahead of guys, if you're not if you're not pitching the way you usually pitch, if you're if you're trying to do too much out there, there's those are little small things that can all add up together to see some some things like that we're seeing with Jose, but. It's hard to say right now what's going on with him, but uh, he certainly needs to figure it out uh, for this Blue Jays team to, to be, have a real chance in the AL East because he's, he's certainly relied upon with that Blue Jay team. He is Pat Light, former big league pitcher and the host of the Sorry We're Closed podcast. He's a win bet, Brandon Baster, and you can follow him on Twitter at Pat underscore Light. Pat, it was great to have you back on the show again. Look forward to future conversations. My pleasure, guys. All right, good stuff. Pat, we'll hold you to it. Can't wait to have him back on the show. Um, I really just love talking baseball in general and a, a topical conversation given what happened on Sunday between the Angels and the Mariners. Love being able to uh, make that a bigger conversation about the, the game's unwritten rules. Uh, really an ongoing conversation. I feel like it happens two or three times every year where it really becomes a focal point uh, of the conversation around the regular season in the bigs. Uh, so good stuff from Pat. Let's get to a promo, the ultimate fantasy football experience. That thing, uh, that's still rolling on. So make sure all WinBet users can bet $500 or more. So you've got the funds. Put $500 or more on sports or the casino if it's available to you in your state. And you will be entered into a prize drawing to have your fantasy football draft at Encore Beach Club. At the Encore property right here in Las Vegas with up to 11 of your friends. Bring your whole 12-team league, the Encore Beach Club, for your draft. Again, $500 or more on sports or the mobile casino. Go to winbet.com or download the WinBet app for official rules and details. It's winning pick time. In June, I am three and four, but you know what the beautiful thing is about that is I've had a number of plus money winners, which means I'm still plus 0.22 units. Not much, but it's honest work. We're going to try to get a winner and get back to 500 on my record. In baseball, we're going the Rangers. Money line at the Royals at minus 138. Quietly, don't look now, but the Rangers are just three games under 500. The bats have woken up, notably Marcus Simeon, the big free agent addition this offseason. Martin Perez, he's going to be an all-star this year. One of the biggest surprises in the American League. He brings his 196 
ERA to Kansas City on this fine Monday. The Royals rank 16th in WRC plus against left-handed pitching. Uh, meanwhile, for the Royals, Chris Bubich has a 7-4-1 ERA, and the Rangers have raked against lefties all season long. They rank 7th in WRC plus against left-handed pitching. Give me the Rangers money line at the Royals at minus 138 here on this Monday, looking to get back to 500. That's going to do it for this episode of the show. Really appreciate Pat Light coming on and talking baseball with me. Can't wait for Thursday's show. My guy, Nick Dace, is coming on to talk about UFC 276. It is fight week here in Las Vegas and a monster card at T-Mobile Arena on Saturday evening. Going to preview all of that with my guy, Nick Dace, on Thursday. Until then, this has been Bet to Win. We'll see you very soon.